0: Another edition, a post conference championship edition of the Sunday card here on Sports Country Radio, here on Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, everywhere you need to have it. We are here for you. And ladies and gentlemen, we have Super Bowl 55 matched up, ready to go. And for the first time, a team will host the Super Bowl this coming. February. Dan Zampano, Chris Raza, Maddie Ice, Matty C, Matt Silbreth, our famed and loved and mixed draped producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone, is here with us as well on the hot mic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have the goat versus the kid, which is apparently what they call baby goats. Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. How else could it ever be... Our producer, Lou Paracone said this in the beginning. He said this very, very, very long time ago. What's the narrative that the NFL could have? What's Brady? It's Mahomes. That's basically right there, the perfect situation, the perfect storm for the Super Bowl to be under. So why not have it happen? And he said it a million years ago, and he was right. He was so right. But for different reasons this past Sunday. Gentlemen. How are we doing today, Christopher Raza? You look fantastic.
1: Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, Considering my worst nightmare of the Chiefs being the Super Bowl two years in a row has come true, I'm doing all right. Uh, You know, I I think it's really cool that we finally get to see a team host the Super Bowl, despite they're not they're being fans, but not the full you know the full spectrum. But I'm doing doing quite good. uh, Ready to get through this weird limbo week that is the week between Super Bowl and the Conference Championship games. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see excited to see the old guy against the new guy.
0: Uh, it couldn't go any other way. Matthew Silberth, by the way, congratulations. It finally occurred. Matt Silberth had a winning week. In fact, he went undefeated in his picks. 2-0, picking the Overs. Beautiful job, Matt.
2: Shout out to the Overs, but unfortunately, having Two futures tickets that I didn't hedge out at all, both die. It didn't really feel, I didn't feel like a winner on Sunday, for being honest. And clearly, a man of proud Irish heritage, Saturday night did not go well for me either, nor Mr. McGregor. Uh, so, a couple, you know, a rough weekend Outside from the show, 2 0 on the show. I think that's what's going to happen in my life. Something else is going we got to, we got to have a little bit of balance here because I honestly forgot that I went 2 0 on the show until you just reminded me because. Sunday, rooting against uh, both teams that ended up winning. Not a good day for me.
0: It was an ad hoc balancing act for you. A tough Sunday morning into Sunday evening for Matty. The only Irish guy that had a good day was Mr. Brady. That's the only one. Uh, Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. 10th. I mean, just thinking about the numbers and the craziness of that is, like, unbelievable. Uh, And... And we're going to probably get into it when we talk about a couple of questions that we'll have. But before we get into the 12 questions that we have, we kind of re- reviewed that uh, on on the last show. Let's get into a little bit of these games and start with the big one, the NFC, because this is really a game to me. Um, it seems as if one team came to and, and came to the game trying to win the game and the other team tried to come in not to lose it. That's what it seemed to me. And and to me, also, the Packers did kind of lose this game more than the Bucs won it because there was opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and poor coaching decisions, especially the big one at the end of the game, cost the Packers and Aaron Rodgers a chance for a Super Bowl that would have cemented his legacy. I mean, really would have. And now things are kind of up in the air. So, kind of first reactions to the Packers' loss more than the Bucks' win, Matt.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially the way you highlighted that. I mean, the, the Bucks came out and they were aggressive every moment that they had to be. Uh, Scotty Miller right before the first half. That's, I mean, immediately think of that play to not just like take it down to a field goal. It's like noticing that they have a chance to really put something to separate this game. Uh, Also in the first half, I mean, Devontae Adams dropped a ball in the end zone, which he had done one time prior this season. And when basically that was, that was just such a, oh boy, this, you know, bad feelings already. And obviously the end of the game was, was horrible. I don't know. I mean, leading up to the decision to kick the field goal, Rodgers just throws the ball into the dirt on a third down, third and long play. Um, And then Matt LaFleur kicking the field goal, giving the ball back with Tom Brady with just mere minutes to needed to ice the game. I don't know how you make that decision. In a one-score game, to go from a one-score game to a one-score game, you still need a touchdown. I, it just doesn't make any sense in my mind.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just unbelievable that, that sequence of events that goes on. And we talk about it all the time because, you know, I mean, we've, we've obviously, you know, have mentioned the guy's name before on this podcast, but we talk about what Michael Lombardi talks about all the time is winning that middle eight. And the Packers were so set up for it. I mean, they had the ball, three minutes to go, and they couldn't do anything with the ball. And there was one drive, really, the whole first half that the Packers were able to move the ball, not able to set up the run game. There were I, I think I texted you this, and you texted me back. A great response was that I was seeing the Bucks kind of line up three guys on one side and stunt that whole side and stack that one side. And The Packers would just run right into it. But on the one drive that they were able to get anything going in the first half, they ran to the off tackles, they ran the toss plays. That's what sets up that offense. But to not do anything with that with that three minutes to go, and then to give up the big play that they did, bang! You're down twenty-one ten instead of 14-13, maybe even up. And then right out of the gates, the buck score, going right down the field in the second half. So I, I think that was really the moment, as as much as magnified Chris as as the as the end of the game situation was fumbled away. I felt that the, the the way they played at the end of the half, at the beginning of the second half, really had more to do with them losing this game. 100%. Uh,
1: you know, I, I was sitting there, and I'm I'm watching, and when the Packers had the ball before the end of the half, it didn't even seem like they were playing with any sort of urgency. You know, they were really taking their time, and it's not like they were at in the red zone. They were on their own side of the field. And that was one of the things that was so... Questionable to me as to why they were doing that. It's like they weren't even trying to score in any any way. Um, and then you compound that obviously with the uh, with uh, not the Patriots, the Buccaneers getting the ball and freaking Scotty Miller, the ultimate Tom Brady receiver. It's a tiny little fast white guy just breaking open and getting the touchdown. And how many times did we see Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do this when they were in New England, where they get the touchdown? Or they, or they get something at the end of the half, and then they get the ball right back to start the half, and they score again, and, you know, and they score two times in a row. That, again, seemed like where the game was lost. The Packers did make the bit of a comeback at the end, and everyone's going to talk about LaFleur kicking the field goal at the end and instead of going for it on the fourth down. But that sequence of events that led to the end of the half was, was inexcusable for the Packers.
0: And, and not just that, too. I think there were a couple other things that LaFleur did. I thought going for two that early in the game was a mistake. Uh, If you think about it, at the end of the game, he's probably going for it on fourth down and not even thinking about the two-point conversion if they don't go for two there. I mean, they're down seven instead of eight at the end of that game. So to me, like, again, it's another one of these things where, you know, LaFleur is an X's and O's guy, and um, he was brought in, young coach, new Sean McVay. I remember that was the mantra of why he got a job. You know Sean McVay. That's really all we did, and he performed great. I mean, great in the regular season. Like they had, they weren't as, as potent last year as they are this year because I think Rodgers really brought into the system. But at the end of the day, that coach didn't have it figured out situationally when the moment mattered the most. And maybe it was that Aaron Rodgers. You know, look. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did not have a bad game. I thought Aaron Rodgers actually out-dueled Tom Brady, and and the narrative is that Brady out-dueled Aaron Rodgers. I thought Rodgers played a much better game. I really do. I mean, especially in the second half. So you know, it's it's the failure of the organization itself to bring in a coach that understands those situational plays, and then at the same time, building the organization in the way that benefits Rodgers' talents the most. I think that's the most. That's the thing I get away from the most from from that game, Matt
2: yeah, I agree. I mean and now with two years in a row and he's lost his last four uh that just yeah, I, I agree about Rodgers too. I mean yeah. and like not to mention not only the Adams drop I mean there was a couple some of the receivers had a hard hard game it felt like and um and definitely you know the defense definitely didn't step up where they needed to they, they didn't generate any pressure. I they Brady was standing tall all game long and meanwhile rogers was was getting hit early, hit very early. Uh, I mean, th- that that was a problem. I can't believe that, you know, Todd Bowles did it to him again. Todd yeah. Bowles just did it to him again. I don't understand how they didn't learn from last time.
0: Five sacks in the game. I mean, that's inexcusable. JPP, I mean, the resurgence uh, of JPP. Shaq Barrett, I mean, Vita Vea coming back into that game. I mean, how big was that? Like right at the beginning of the game, they,
2: they announced that
1: yeah he's active.
2: You know, massive, massive uh, activation.
1: I think that's almost that's more of the story than Tom Brady is the entire game. I and mean, the guy threw three interceptions. Not that he was a non-factor in the game, but the story was they got pressure on Rodgers, especially early in the game, which kind of shook him a bit. And, you know, the, the inexcusable coaching decisions by LaFleur, that's the story of this game. Um, as impressive as it is that Brady, you know, won his first NFC Championship game. It was the defense and Matt LaFleur's bad coaching decisions.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the real question now is, I mean, we know where the Bucks go, and we'll talk about the Bucks a lot next week and, and even this week, but, you know, where do the Packers go from here? I mean, what do you do? Uh, there's, what more possibly could you do right now? You had an MVP season where you had 48 touchdowns and five interceptions for Aaron Rodgers. The defense, though playing, you know, not as consistently as you might think, they were really good down the stretch in the season. Um, what more can this guy ask for? And, you know, I think the comments that Rogers made after the, after the game was a little overblown. I, I, I didn't think he meant it in the way that, Oh, I'm definitely not coming back next year. I think that it was more of, you know, this is a business and the guys futures aren't always set in this business. So there's, listen, heads are going to roll Mike Patton for what he did at the end of the second half. That's a fireball fence. That's Greg Williams ask fireball fence right there. And that cost him the game. So, where the Packers go from here, I have no freaking clue. I have, and, I have no idea where they go.
1: Rodgers came out uh, today as we, re- we recorded this kind of earlier in the week. He came out and kind of cleared some of the comments up uh, from after that game to say, you know, the, it's not saying he's going anywhere or anything like that. It, what's funny is I saw on Instagram, like, right after that, it was like, top landing spots for uh, Aaron Rodgers, and one of them was the Raiders. And I was like, oh, God, not again.
2: Got to get the conversations going. That's all that was oh, for me. Course. Yeah.
0: Don't don't worry. I saw all the Patriots Twitter putting Rogers in the Patriots uniform. Like another number twelve.
2: Y- yeah, yeah I, I heard that one a lot, you know. What, what a great place to finish your career. We could find you know. Uh, God.
0: <laughs> I've seen it everywhere. I won't believe it until I see it. We'll get into that topic in a little bit with the with, with some of the questions we got. Let's go to the AFC championship game, and I don't think there's much to dissect from this game. I really don't. I think it's literally the Bills did not have the team to compete speed 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 i mean everywhere on the field i mean it was like the chiefs tyreek hill i i just Ouch. incredible i mean just it it's he's the most terrifying player in the league in my opinion right now tyreek hill
2: he ran by every single bill twice on that play i think i don't i mean i don't know uh, that that was that was literally it though i mean that was you know, as if that was you know the other touchdowns that they had scored, and just the drives. I mean, 21 points in the second quarter after the Bills' only touchdown early came from the uh, the muff. It was a muff punt, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it.
1: You know, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, you brought this up a few times. Uh, I think it was even last week. You know, are are the Chiefs? Were they just kind of screwing around in the season, just winning because they have to win, and then they're gonna let let everything loose in the playoffs? And we saw that. I mean, that's that was the question going on on Sunday. I was like, are we gonna? You know, were the Chiefs kind of really struggling like they were, or were they just kind of screwing around doing whatever until the the lights are on? And when those lights were on, God, I, I mean, there's there's no team that I, I I would not against the Chiefs and you know, to lose, which I guess is a preview of the Super Bowl pick, but they're they're unreal. The defense is still pretty solid and what Mahomes and company can do with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek hill like talking about with Nicole Hardman and Andy Reid drawing up the plays, it's just stupid. It's not even fair.
0: My my question is why the heck did the Bills not have a one on one coverage on Hill? I just don't understand that logic at all. Like any time we've ever seen the Chiefs get beat. It's basically, you're forcing them into third downs, you're doubling up Hill, you have to go one-on-one on Kelsey, you can't cover everybody, but you know what is kind of different now than maybe like from years past when the Pats used to, like, were able to beat them in that championship game, is that they also have Miko Hardman, <laughs> that's a really hard guy to stop too. I mean, he had that big play as well, was it the reverse, I can't remember if that was what it was no. or not, but... I mean, it, and he made up it's a weapon all, all over the field. I mean, what do you do in that situation? And and I guess the situation is you have to be able to control the clock. And the Bills have not been able to run the ball all year. So, I mean, it was, it was so much more simple than I think we thought before this game.
2: Yeah, the, the, the NFC Championship game had a lot of complexity and there was a lot of factors. And, you know, I think everything that we broke down in that game – Really, kind of came, you know, it was, it was we were talked about the pressure on it as far as each quarterback goes and, and the way that they had to run their offense. And, um, and obviously, like, the, you know, the Bucks willing to throw the ball a little bit more in that game, it felt like. Um, and yeah, the other game, we just, I don't know. I think we were, I was blinded by the Bills. I'll tell you that much. We were blinded by, we were blinded by 100%. Buffalo. It was because they were fun. They were America's team this year. They really were. I mean, everybody, and that was just one of those things, too, when everybody everybody was on the the kid, and it's like, Let's not forget that we just crowned the prince that was promised last year in Patrick Mahomes, and he will continue to rain hellfire on this league for many, many years. Prince of Darkness.
1: Yes. Let's Dan. It's funny you bring up you know the the whole control of the clock against the Chiefs. Beating the Chiefs is a relatively simple concept, and how you do it, it's just executing it is damn near impossible. All you have to do, and I hate to bring this up, but the Raiders, it's exactly how the Raiders are. You just have this to be is able to run the Coming from the, the one ball. open Raiders. <laughs> they, they did it the right way. You have to be able to run the ball extremely well and just control the clock the entire time. And the only way to stop Pat Mahomes is not through your defense. It's by keeping him on the sidelines. Because you have to realize your defense is going to give up points to the Chiefs. They're going to give up points. It's impossible to shut that offense down completely. You just have to have your offense be able to control the ball and almost get to third down every time and then convert that third down. And you need to have those eight, nine, ten-minute drives where their offense is just sitting on the field. And then you have to score a touchdown on top of that. You have to capitalize on these drives.
0: The field goals were the most frustrating thing for the Bills. I mean, like, they, they, I get what Mahal, what McDermott at the end of the half maybe, but like at, at some point I think the Bills have a lot of maturing to do. I actually think, Matt and Chris, that, you know what, our teams that played the Chiefs this year played the best way they could have played. The Broncos, the first game, played them great. I mean, on the Sunday night game, I mean, they played them perfectly, exactly how you should play them. They just gave it up at the end. Like, they couldn't finish the game. Patriots, same thing. I mean, Patriots played them magnificently for three quarters. And, again, no quarterback in the game. Brian Hoyer, they couldn't get anything going at the end, and they couldn't hold on to it. Raiders actually beat them and, and outscored them even. So, you know, I mean, I, I thought all three of our teams relatively did the best job of any of, any of, the, uh, of anybody that played them this year. But in regards to the Bills, I, I, especially at the end-of-game sequence, I mean – The Bills hadn't lost in forever, and it felt like when they lost, they were just so hurt by it that they just lost all control. Like, they clearly, clearly have some growing up to do, clearly. And I think that this this will help them. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Josh Allen, (laughs) it's hard to assess him because he was so good this year, but then in that moment to just not be – what he had been all year long and when he went up against opponent. It, and it really thinks to me this way. It's like the Chiefs are gonna probably more than likely be the new Patriots. I think like we can establish that. Like that's where they're on their that's where they're on their way to. And it just speaks to the rest of the league is like the fact that the Chiefs just coasted through a season, didn't care at all about it, and then in the playoffs just turned it on, just tells you how much better they are than everybody else and the same thing goes with Tom Brady the fact that the NFC for years has been this dominant team and everybody said Brady could never win in the NFC and the AFC the AFC was just a cakewalk every year for the Patriots and he just goes there no problem (laughs) <laughs> so it's like he's in the Super Bowl. Sure. No problem with Rodgers and Breeze on the road. Like, no problem. We're just in. So to me, it's like that's how good the Patriots were. That's how good the Chiefs are now. That's how good Tom Brady is now. It's like it, it's the rest of the league sucks. <laughs> it, the rest of the league sucks to me. That's what I feel. I,
2: think I mean, Brady. Exactly. Brady...
0: I guys. think we
1: just sat here realizing that we are now no. like the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets fans of the last twenty years realizing what Dan has just said is probably true. And no matter what we want to think, it's like, yeah, I would love the Raiders to win the division, but it's like they gotta go fourteen and two and beat the Chiefs twice, essentially, to to win the division. I don't
2: want I don't want to wish any ill will on anybody, but we need a Matt Castle here for that to happen. I mean that's that's all I'm <laughs> gonna say. That's really about that's really if- about it.
1: What if the Chiefs uh, were like, math. hey, let's trade Mahomes. We'll get like six first round picks and we'll just trade them to the, the Jets.
2: Maybe they'll all of a sudden stop forgetting how to draft really good talent that they don't even have to pay anybody on the team and they just get rookies that are good and then they move on. Maybe they'll forget how to do that. Yeah, I hate, Cause I hate that's sports. That's the only way you can do it. Contract problems? I don't know. Okay.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like eventually that contract has to hurt them, right? Eventually that $500 million no contract Tom Brady. has to come back to bite them.
2: He did not do the Tom Brady and taking less money. So well, we'll just keep holding on to that, that shimmer of hope.
0: And, and you know what? I think a lot of people are going to say, like, Kyle Brandt was on, uh, was on Good Morning Football this morning, and he said, and he was talking about Tom Brady and, and his accolades, and he says, oh, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, and he's great and all that. But for Patrick Mahomes to do what Tom Brady's done, he would have to be playing and starting Super Bowl 73 to be able to do what Tom Brady has done. That's the equivalent of what he did. Tom Brady started ready. Super Bowl 36 and is now starting Super Bowl 55.
1: I'm not That's- ready to think about Super Bowl 73. I'm not ready, Dan. I'm not ready to get there yet.
0: <laughs> when, it, when that went into my brain, I'm like, oh, my God. That's how like hard it's going to be. Like, but Mahomes has already got two down. The guy has never not had an AFC championship game at home. Like it's 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 scary, but again, like you said, in this period of free agency and Andy Reid is an older coach, it's not like he's gonna be around forever. Like, I don't know if they could get to that status, but for the time being, they are the kings.
2: The Tiger Woods to the Jack Nicholas, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe, okay. kind of maybe maybe
2: burning brighter for a shorter period of time.
0: Oh shit, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's do let's move on from the Super Bowl because next week we're going to dive way deep. Like it's going to be awesome. We're going to do all these quirky little things like prop bets and all these cool things. But let's get into some of the off season stuff and, and, and maybe a little Super Bowl stuff as well. But I developed uh, a little test, little test, little quiz. Uh, Twelve questions for you. Twelve questions for the Super Bowl. And the and the NFL offseason as a whole. So let's get right to it, shall we? Let's start with the Super Bowl, so we can get it out of the way. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we did this last year on one of our shows, um, but I think it's it's a really fun brain exercise to go through. So let's begin. Um, let's start with this one. Question for you guys. Let's start with Chris Raza. Your favorite chief player of all time as we head into
1: Super Bowl Fifty Five.
2: It's very mean of you to make me and Chris do this, by the way. You you've done this to us two years in a row now, making us pick a favorite Chiefs player. Like stop.
1: That's why I'm going with the same exact answer I had last year. A guy I never had to actually watch the Raiders go against. That's Len Dawson. The, the first Pat Mahomes, some would say, is he led the Chiefs to their first Super Bowl way back what sixty nine or seventy one or something like that, um, and this is solely based on the fact that he has one of the coolest photos of all time ever taken of him sitting at halftime in the Super Bowl smoking a cigar and drinking a Fresca. That's all this is based on because it's the freaking coolest thing of all time. You would never imagine you see Tom Brady sitting at halftime smoking a cigar. You wouldn't. It would, it would well, be. He would never.
0: Smoking the avocado leaves. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's. I mean, you know me. I love all the classic, classic guys. Um, especially when you look at guys from the '70s that say they're 37 and they look like they're 55. Um, yeah, no, I'm. I'm a big Len Dawson guy. won't well, cause I never had to actually experience him playing against my Raiders. So.
0: See, like last year, I think we made fun of you for that answer, and I think now I understand it because you never had to watch him. So it's like I don't. Him, I, I hate him. every
1: modern Chiefs player ever. So. Okay,
2: Matty Ice, and it is a great photo. Um, yeah, as much as as much as both of these guys have have tormented uh, the Broncos over the years, like uh, Jamal Charles. As far as from a big fantasy player uh, perspective, Jamal Charles was just one of the most electric players on the field at all times. Um, and and then I don't know who doesn't like Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez, one of the best guys just ever in the league. I mean, just Mr. Reliable. The 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 you know the the mold for just the modern-day tight end.
0: Absolutely. Tony G, baby, Uh, retired to the greatest of all time. I mean, no question about it. Uh, I went with this guy. I love to watch this guy. The human joystick Dante Hall with the kick returns and the punt returns, like, insane. You want to talk about Tyree speed? Like, he was the original guy. Like, before Devin Hester was big, like, it was Dante Hall. Like, Dante Hall had some absolutely insane – his 03 season – I think he had, like, six punt returns for touchdowns, something crazy like that. Like, he was electronic. So I went with Dante Hall. who I loved, Absolutely love. Uh, favorite Bucks player of all time. I'm interested in this one, Matt.
2: Uh, somebody who should be making the – should be welcomed into Canton this year is John Lynch. The, okay. the hard-hitting, strong safety of John Lynch, who played the majority of his career with the Buccaneers and obviously ended it with – the Denver Broncos. So, and he is, this is his, he's seven, uh, this will be his seventh year in a row. Or, sorry, it was either, this is his seventh year in a row as a finalist, or uh, this next year will be, and there's something going along with, it. I think everybody who's basically made it there, the majority of them finally get in if they don't reach that number as a finalist seven times. So, hoping this could be his year.
0: Beautiful,
1: beautiful. Chris Razzo. This was, Tough, because I've just ne- never cared about the Buccaneers. Um, the only experience I really have with them is an absolutely terrible one. Uh, so I went with Mike Evans. Um, you know, he's a guy that was kind of there from the beginning of them getting good. Uh, you know, and he's been an unreal receiver having to deal with guys like Jameis Winston as his quarterback, who was just as likely to throw it to him as he was the defensive back covering him um you know and just i think five years i mean he's become like their leader in receptions and every and like every statistical category for a receiver and he's just fun to watch he's just a big dude you just throw it up to in the end he's probably going to come down with it
2: i mean we're all kind of laughing but it is true it's like as any the, the bucks are maybe the most irrelevant team outside of the year that they won the Groon super bowl and now it's like the bucks have just been the most irrelevant team in football
1: Literally. those creamsicle uniforms though gorgeous now you. If you remember
0: one player from the Bucs that wore that creamsicle uniform, I will give you twenty dollars right now. Did
1: Archie yeah, Manning ever crazy. play for the Bucks? There you go. Who? Did Archie Manning play for the Bucks? No, no. The He's Saints. the Saints. Oh. Close,
0: close. The first ever Buccaneers franchise win two years into their franchise was against Archie Manning. By the way. There we go. Um, the Saints. So there you go. I think they lost like something like nineteen or twenty first. I think. Yeah, they
1: they they were the originators. I feel like of the the bag over the head.
0: The bag over the head. That's right. Them and the Saints back in the then The eighties. The the yep, <laughs> exactly right. Hey, I went with. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. The the how about fullback lives matter? How about oh. Mike freaking Allstott just yeah, running over people? The freaking freight train just just moralizing and destroying everything in his path to make sure that guys like Warwick Dunn and like I think like Cedric Benson from like his first couple of years there in, in in Tampa at the end like all these random running backs they were never nothing because if Mike Allstott wasn't there they wouldn't have a career. Mike Allstott running people over big number forty with the cowboy collar and everything. Like, oh, fullback lives matter, ladies and gentlemen. It is awesome. Love him. Love Mike Allstyle. Uh, this might be easy for you, though. Most hated Chiefs player of all time, Chris Razo.
1: Jamal Charles. God, um I I have immense, immense, immense respect for him as a player. hundred percent. He leads, I think he's all time leader in yards per carry, um, average, something like that. But the amount of Sundays that I had to sit there. And watch my already putrid Raiders of like the mid to late two thousands get absolutely gashed by this man. It's so painful. I mean, he, I would sit there on Sundays watch, and it's like I didn't hate the Chiefs then as much as I do now. But like looking back on it, and just imagine like this guy destroyed our already horrible defenses. He every time it comes up, they had the game where he had the freaking five touchdowns against us. And I'm just, I'm just so ready to never have to think about that man again. As much as I respect him, I just never want to think of him again in the Chiefs uniform, which I think he was actually on, like the Jaguars or something this year. Something insane. He was on the Broncos, I think, for a second there, Matt. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah at the end of his career. He did He did flash over there when his it, both of his ACLs had been blown out multiple yeah. times. Really helped <laughs> uh, out. Uh, most hated Chiefs? Uh, Patrick Mahomes because of what he does to our daily existence as football fans like me and Chris previewed earlier, yeah. so...
1: Hey, we got, Raiders got one win over him so far, though. Got the one.
2: Yeah, Vic, Vic Fangio's still figuring that one out.
1: Yeah. Getting close. Uh, mine's pretty easy.
0: I don't see how anyone can like Tyreek Hill just solely based on off-the-field issues. So, like, I just can't stand him. And he's fast, and he's electric, and I hate him. So, uh, I'm glad we were I, I'm glad I was at probably the greatest game I was ever at, and Tyreek Hill had, like, one catch, 40 yards. It was very satisfying. Uh, fate, uh, most hated Buccaneer of all time This might be a, It's relatively kind of tough There weren't a lot of likable guys On those early 2000s things, But Chris Raza I have a feeling I might know where you're going But let's see
1: I have two uh, One was Rondé Barber um, Really? Just because I... the amount of times you see the the highlight of him picking off Rich Cannon in the Super Bowl oh, That's like oh, the God. highlight from that game uh, And Warren Sapp just pisses me off to no end I hate Warren
2: Sachs' fat butt uh also not, a gr- also not the greatest guy.
1: No. He's <laughs> as far like, as off the field stuff. He's so full of himself and just like barely gives the Raiders and Al Davis any credit for extending his career. Um, God, I just, I can't stand him. He's so annoying. As I said, he never really did much when it was with the Raiders anyway. Um but it just seems like he didn't even want to be there. So I'm, I hate Warren Sapp and yeah, Rondé Barber just because the amount of times I have to see that freaking highlight of that pick six that he had.
0: Bucks is a sore subject for the, for, for Chris. For literally one game. One oh game. It's <laughs> a tough Super Bowl for Chris, again. Uh, Matt Selbert.
2: Uh Yeah, this is definitely a hard one. I probably had to do the most like research on this one because it looked for it. And so I'm just going to have to go with Trent Dilfer for the broadcasting career that he's been, brought, you know, spread into now because of this. So the fact that we have to listen to Dilfer dimes, and, and apparently, as doing research on this, Bucks fans hate him as well. Obviously, because you know, yeah, I was looking the records, obviously fairly mediocre during his years there. Leaves in '99, plays half a season for the Ravens, and wins a Super Bowl the next year. So uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks fans hate him as well.
0: Quarterback play, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes can be overrated when winning a Super Bowl. He might be, literally, the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Like
2: it's, I, it's I, I put my stamp on that.
0: Like, It's astounding how he, and then he goes on TV and lectures about playing quarterback. It's incredible. In I can't stand it. <laughs> uh, mine was solely based on experience, actually, because I actually, back in 2017, I was driving to Miami, and I stumbled upon Jaguars training camp, I was like I wonder if I could get in and they were actually having joint practices with the Bucks. And I ended up getting in and uh somebody got kicked out of practice and I and he came over and HBO was doing the Bucks that year I think for the Hard Knocks and he ended up like just taking photos like didn't care at all. I was like what an ass this guy is. Who is this? And then I realized who it was. I don't know if you guys remember Chris Baker. He had a couple of good years with the Redskins or the Washington uh, back in, like, maybe it was 2015, 2016, ended up getting, like, a huge contract from the Bucks, and was just an ass. Like, would always just, like, get in fights on the field, got in fights with his teammates in the locker room. Chris Baker was a defensive tackle who was never worth his, never worth the sweat that he sweated out of himself. He was terrible, and he had a terrible attitude, and I don't like him. And my runner-up was, uh, was Keyshawn Johnson. So there you go.
2: Throw me the ball, damn ball.
0: Throw me the damn ball. He was, again, not a great guy. Not that great of a guy.
2: Better, a good better, teammate.
0: Better, better as a commentator, I will say that. Uh, here's a good question. Let's move on to the off, to this season and and maybe some things that we assessed. What was the worst decision by a team, either organizationally, in-game, personnel, worst decision this year made by a team was what, Matt Silberth?
2: Matt Lafleur this past Sunday to lose the most important game of the year and the NFC Championship game and I'll just leave it at that because that still blows my mind.
0: Crazy, crazy! Not kicking, not getting the touchdown there is egregious. Chris Rosa what was the worst?
1: So I went with a personnel uh, sort of thing and it was it was the Texans trading the Andre Hopkins, especially. When you look at kind of, it's, I don't know how exactly connected it is, but kind of the snowball effect it had on Houston as the year went on, Dodger Hopkins get traded. They do absolutely horrific this year. Bill O'Brien fired. They have to hire a coach for this horrible situation. And now their star quarterback, Deshaun Watson, wants out of Houston. It, 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 we didn't quite expect this when Dodger Hopkins got traded which in itself was horrible but just the seemingly snowball effect that happened in the city of houston and not only that they also lost james harden so the city of houston is having a rough rough go of it uh, as a whole but I, I think it's just with how things unfolded after that trade and how the texans went from a really solid football team to all of a sudden a really bad and chaotic super uh, football team it, it that's that was my choice yeah. also kevin stefanski punting uh, with the fourth down, and also Matt, again Matt Lafleur as well uh, was a yeah. horrible, horrible choice.
2: Yes, because those playoffs obviously games more important uh, more, but um, I I you could you could say basically with Chris, uh, your the worst move was making Bill O'Brien a GM, one of the worst head coaches. If you want to keep going back, he made Bill O'Brien a GM. I think that is actually the root of the problem. Yes. So, but yeah, that that seems to be it. I was I was uh, head on the nail. Just just Google
0: Jack Easterby. Google that name, and you'll figure out all this stuff and why it went wrong. Um, I had two. One, I, I'm looking right at you, Lou, because I knew I think you might be thinking that Greg Williams, <laughs> Greg Williams, is playing in the Raider game was like the dumbest thing of all time. <laughs> I mean, I just can't even like think of anything else that was dumber than that. Um, Greg Williams play at the end of that game, and then I had a weird one. Uh, personnel-wise, the Bengals not protecting Joe Burrow in the offseason. That was such a dumb thing for them to do because you knew, like, as soon as the second game of the year against the Browns, he just got, like, rocked every single game. You knew at some point, this guy's going to get killed. Like, this guy's going to get hurt. And now they literally have put their entire franchise at risk by having him have an MCL and ACL. Team. Like, that, I think, is one of the dumber things.
2: I remember seeing videos out of training camp where they're like, Joe Burrow's running for his life on every play. So this was, it was, yeah, before the season, they knew that it was a horrible offensive line.
0: That, that's, that, that was pretty egregious for the number one pick have No offensive line. They get what they deserve.
2: Especially considering
1: the amount of time you would have had to, like, you know who you're taking. Like you've known who you're taking at that first pick. Like you've had had that whole offseason to try and sign some you know free agent offensive lineman or something, and they just said, nah, we're just gonna we're just gonna let Joe run around and maybe tear up his entire knee.
0: Only a generational talent. You know. God. What the hell? You know? The uh, Here's another one from this season. Which team lost the most benefit from having no fans in the stands? this year. And this is a hard one because not every team didn't have fans at some point, but which team lost the most benefit from having no fans in the stands this year, Chris Razo?
1: Uh I'll give my easy answer quick than my real answer. I think the quick answer for me is the Raiders. You know, it would have been interesting to see if they could have packed that house, new brand new stadium in Vegas with with Raider Nation. You know, would have been interesting. But I think, you know, to take my Raider cap off, it's the Seahawks. I mean, that 12th man seems to make such a difference. And we saw that difference this year when you had silence in that stadium outside sort of the pumped-in crowd noise. And I think, you know, when you get to that playoff game against the Rams, if you were able to have the 12th man rocking and rolling up there and then the Pacific Northwest, uh, it could have gone, I think, a different way. But, um, yeah, Seattle, I mean, their fans make such a difference in that stadium. I would say Kansas City, but they are able to have fans. So,
0: Matt?
2: Yeah, you know, I the Chargers usually really fill a stadium. Uh, I thought the Chargers no um, with opposing uh, fans.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All those all those people's trips to L.A. They couldn't go see a game. Um,
1: Raiders fans could have actually gone to see the Raiders there if they had fans in L.A.
2: Yeah, um, I, I had a little hard time with this one. I, I kind of just went for for me. I chose the Saints mainly for. If they if Drew Brees Drew Brees deserved to have a absolutely packed Superdome. That I mean, that there would have been a serious moment there at the end of getting like I mean he got you know, he got the round of applause, but I mean not what it would have been with a full Superdome kind of going out, you know, out of shield.
0: See, to me, the only thing about those two teams is they both were very successful teams. They both won divisions. To me, I think it's a team that easily could have made the playoffs that didn't. And it's because they played terrible at home. I went with the Minnesota Vikings. I thought the Minnesota Vikings were 3-5 and this year at home, and these are their home losses. Listen to these home losses. They lose last-second losses to the Tennessee Titans in the beginning of the year. They give up 40 points at home to the Falcons in the beginning of the year. They lose to the Cowboys late in the year with Andy Dalton at home by three points at the end of the game. And even the wins that they had at home, A very late win against the Carolina Panthers by one point, and then needed overtime to beat Jacksonville at home. I mean, they were terrible at home this year, and they were coming off a playoff performance where they had a win last year. Like, yeah, they lost some guys on defense, but they replaced Stephon Diggs pretty nicely with Justin Jefferson. I have to say, like, he had a great year. There was no reason the Vikings shouldn't have, should not have. Uh, made the playoffs this year, and then they lose to the Bears at home early late in the year after beating them already in Chicago uh, they had a horrible horrible year the only the only win that they didn 't have that was close at home was the Detroit Lions. They were one of the worst home teams this year, and I think fans definitely especially in some of these close games fans had a, had an issue there in that dome um, I went with minnesota i don 't know
2: yeah i I would say the other i Minnesota again. I had their under on the year, so I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And I just i I just remember how how much of how bad their corners were. Their their corners were such a liability in the in the beginning of the year. Their secondary was they were giving up like 500 yards every single game. So, yeah, fans, maybe maybe not.
0: Well, you know what? Let's move on to the next one then. This one goes into the off season, and this is a very interesting question. Um. Which non-quarterback superstar, non-quarterback superstar, so no Deshaun Watsons, Aaron Rodgers, like we're, you know, that's going to be fodder for a later date. Which non-quarterback superstar do you think should be traded this offseason? And and you got to think about this in this terms. The cap is going down to $176 million this year. There is going to be a lot of people available, like a lot of people, and I don't think people realize it. There's not a lot of cap space for a lot of teams. Only a select few teams are going to be able to sign a lot of these guys. So teams are going to have to make some decisions. So which non-quarterback superstar do you think should be traded this offseason, Chris Raza? Uh,
1: I mean, I had two. Both these guys are in pretty similar situations. Uh, I went with, uh, with Stephon Gilmore and J.J. Watt. Uh, two guys on the kind of the last year of their deals um, going into 2021. And these are two teams where you're not really sure exactly where they're actually kind of sure where they're going, neither, and it's not really in an upwards direction. And these guys aren't young. They're not they're not young hot shot, you know, guys in their third or fourth year. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm the I'm and I'm the Texans. I think you've got to trade these guys to get whatever draft capital you can get, get one and also get their contracts off your books and just focus on, you know, and really embrace that rebuild that you're gonna have to do. Patriots. Who knows who the heck is going to be playing quarterback for them next year? Who knows who the heck is going to be playing quarterback for the Houston Texans? And the Texans are even. They're both. These guys have no receivers, and their defenses aren't what they were, you know, last year, two years ago. Um, So I think if if you're those teams, you got to trade these guys and get what you can get until they just walk next year and you get nothing.
0: What? Yes, Gilmore. No, because they have sixty million dollars in cap space, so we can keep them. (laughs) Um, Matt Silbreth, non-quarterback superstar.
2: Uh, it's hard to say. I, I still, I think Julio Jones might be on the move. I just, I know that they kind of have this, this, um, new offensive coach in there, but it's like, does he want to keep the old receivers he time to switch it over with, with Ryan and Julio? Um, and they are one of the teams super backed up against the cap. Um, and another team that is, is I think the Cowboys are going to part way with Ezekiel Elliott if they can. I think that they would do everything that they can after the, you know, I think they gotta pay Dak, obviously. I mean, injury, we're gonna see how he comes back and all, but um got a contract and underperformed, like is an understatement. Is an understatement with how bad he was this year. So I think that um they trade him and they're gonna probably have to trade him with a pick for someone else to take that contract. Mm,
0: that's a heavy price, especially if you want to play Dak Prescott. What are they willing to pay Dak Prescott coming off an injury? Is the real that's a huge question for the offseason. Uh, I went with a team that's up and coming, that's young, that uh, I think if they traded this guy now, I think it would benefit them down the line because they don't have a ton of cap space. They have a little bit, but not much. And I think because this team is so young and and they're going to have a lot of money later on, if they can get this guy off the books, I think it would really benefit them down the line. And it's going to sound crazy when I say it because he's a huge superstar. I think the Panthers should trade Christian McCaffrey I really do. I think that they would get a lot of compensation for him back because he would garner – you're probably talking about a first-round pick for the Panthers to get. And they did pretty good with Mike Davis this year. I got to tell you, they did pretty good. They're probably going to get a new quarterback. They can start this whole new regime change. I understand McCaffrey's contract is very large and it's going to take a lot to move. But I think that would probably benefit them to get that money off the books and be able to get guys that can kind of establish – Future of the organization, because let's face it, McCaffrey got hurt this year for one reason and one reason only. He had ninety-five percent of the snaps the last two years. This is not feasible, and unless they're gonna unless they're gonna cut his snap rate, which I don't suspect them to do, I just can't see how keeping McCaffrey now benefits them for the future, especially them building. You've got the Saints in a million miles of cap trouble. That they're going to be way down, I think, in the next couple of years. They're going to have they're going to have to make some hard decisions. The Falcons are in the rebuild. Brady's only got a year left on the contract, so you might be able to build something where the Panthers can long term own that division. I, I would trade McCaffrey, as crazy as it sounds.
2: I, I get your reasoning with the big contract. I just don't. Yeah, I mean that just doesn't seem like a few I, mean, I just feel like you're asking for a fan base to turn and you got to have some sort of you got to have talent in order to attract some other players to come in there and play hard I don't I, I get it I mean pan running back is again I said Ezekiel Elliott so it's not it's not the best way to go in the NFL nowadays we know that
0: it, it would be a shockwave and whoever got him I mean my god can you imagine him and like San Francisco.
2: I was just going to say San Francisco.
0: <laughs> Bingo. Like that, that would be electrifying. Bring um, them home. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. Come right home back to Stanford. Uh, this is an interesting question. I'm going to give out, here we go. This is going to take a little bit to, to say, but I'm going to give you a list. 16 quarterbacks. And I already gave you a list. You know it. There are 16 quarterbacks this year. Whose futures are in question. They're named Watson, Stafford, Rogers, Ryan, Prescott, Darnold, Wentz, Goff, Garoppolo, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Ben Roethlisberger. 16 guys that don't really know what the future holds for those guys. How many of those quarterbacks, of those 16 guys, how many of those guys will be starting week one for the team they're currently on? Matt Silver.
2: I said nine.
0: Wow. Which one? I said nine.
2: Okay, this is what I was going to say. We can't do this one. We can't do it this way. I think what you should do, okay. you should go through that list, okay. and then we all say yes, yes, or no. And then okay. we'll, we'll, discuss, right. we'll discuss it in the moment because if we do that, it'd be jumbled up.
0: Perfect. This is a good idea. Uh, okay, let's start. Uh, Deshaun Watson no 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 I, I, I think everybody
2: knows he's he's, he's, he's going somewhere
0: somewhere could i
1: think. Be, t- could be in the big apple could be like a
0: well, with the little rock eye there he's giving me the little dwayne rock Johnson and I'd be like hmm. <laughs> i like that uh Matt Stafford obviously no because no. He's said uh they've already agreed to mutually part ways To me, I think Matt Stafford, by the way, I think that would be the perfect fit for the Patriots. I really do. I think he would be fantastic to bring him in.
2: Indianapolis. yeah, That's
0: a good one, too. I mean, I think those two teams are the only two teams that are going to be in the market for him anyway. So both those two teams, I think, are perfect fits for him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Again, he already kind of came out and put those rumors to bed a little bit. I think it would... Take a lot, and I don't think Jordan Love is is quite ready yet uh, to take that helm.
0: I agree. I think they pay Rodgers more money this offseason. Whatever they do with Jordan Love is going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of talk about that. Matt Ryan.
2: I said yes still. As much as I have like Julio Jones going out, that's why I was like fighting my brain. But it's harder to replace the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think they're not in a position right now to get a decent replacement to be any sort of competitive, especially, you know, you bring in, I think I mentioned this when we talked about Arthur Smith, you bring in an offensive-minded guy, and then you, maybe you see what you can get these next year or two uh, with Ryan and, and Julio. The only thing I would say about Ryan, and I agree, I think it's a yes,
0: but I, the only thing I would say is that the Falcons do have a very high draft pick, and there is a possibility that they could get one of those guys, one of the top three. Uh, of Fields uh, and Wilson. They're not going to get Lawrence, but they could get Fields or Wilson. And I think that that's the only way I could see it happening. They're going to have to get rid of one of them, either Jones or or Ryan. One of those guys has got to go because of the cap situation. Dak Prescott. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we all agree he's going to be back. Uh, Sam Darnold. Nope. I went with no as well. I don't think he will be there. I think the Jets will go in some other organizational way.
2: Fields or Watson is going to be the replacement. That's I I kind of wrote replacements for everybody too. It's my idea. Yeah, no, I agree. I
0: think Chris
1: also with a no. Yeah, I, I, I like Darnold. I wanted to think he has the chance, but you've got you know if you can get Deshaun Watson, you got to pull the trigger. Um, it's Matt says bring him to Denver, bring him to Rocky Mountain, send Sammy out west. I love it. Or like I said, a you know, Justin Fields, like you, you're going to throw out there. I think day one, so Denver is going to get somebody interesting.
0: It's not going to be Joe Flacco. It's going to be there.
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick.
2: I, s- I swear to God, if they if they end up getting like like we're going to get like Nick Foles, like I swear to God.
1: Well, you know, John Elway does not like his young quarterbacks.
2: I mean, not for nothing. Matt Stafford in Denver isn't a bad fit either. We got a couple good receivers.
1: Yeah,
0: then, then they sign Alex Smith. Um, <laughs> oh
2: God! I know what's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Carson
1: Wentz. No. He's also another another shot to be in Indianapolis. He could be the next New England Patriot.
0: I think Carson Wentz will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles next year.
1: I,
2: I agree. Patriots... I think with Peterson gone now, I, before I was no, I thought they were gonna keep Peterson, but I think that they they chose who they wanted in that fight.
0: I think it'll be a battle in training camp, like no question about it, but I think they'll commit to Wentz with all the money. $45 million in the hole, like you got to commit to him. Jared Goff. Yeah, I think, he's
1: yeah,
2: I think so. Him. I I think McVeigh loves him too much.
0: They can't move from him anyway. His contract is completely. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think – the 49ers still think they haven't quite fully tapped what Jimmy G can do in San Francisco. Um, I don't think he's all that great, but uh, you know, especially considering he lost this whole year, I think he's going to at least get next year.
2: I, I said no. I don't know what the replacement is necessarily. I don't really know which way they go. Uh, here's an interesting guy that I, that I think about that's not on this list, that is a starting quarterback from this year. That's Gardner Minshew. I think somebody's going to get Gardner Minshew next year, and he's <laughs> going to be starting for a team.
0: And somebody will be living through the power of the mustache next year. I I think it might be
2: the football team.
0: (laughs) It might might be the football team. I think that's exactly right. I also said no from Jimmy Garoppolo just because I think it's Bill's master plan. I think it's all part of the plan. Um, But it could be. I don't know. But I would love to think that it would be. But I, I really don't. I think that Kyle Shanahan wants somebody more diverse. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, Cam Newton. This is clearly a no, no. No.
2: Well,
0: no. I mean, if it's a yes, uh, I'm curious. it's a yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot somebody. I'm gonna throw up and
1: I'm gonna shoot somebody,
0: and and I mean that in a completely non-threatening way.
1: I'm gonna shoot somebody. I want to know where he's gonna end up. I want to know who's gonna take because he's not gonna want to be a backup anywhere still. So I want to know where and who is gonna sign him and for how much. Jacksonville is a backup.
2: The Broncos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brock. The Broncos make so much sense for, like, all the washed-up guys. Speaking of uh, maybe washed-up, Teddy Bridgewater.
2: I, I think I he stays he in the Panthers. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked by that name being on this list as far as being questioned. I think they like what they brought him in for and what he did.
1: And I think I, he had a pretty I, I, oh.
2: solid year last year, especially
1: if you can get him a full year with you know with McCaffrey and you can draft him a really good receiver uh, to go along with Robbie Anderson, who had a nice year out there in Carolina. Um I think Bridgewater, I think Carolina thinks he's their guy for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. You know, he only, it's only his first year starting there, too. I don't think they're going to get rid of him after just the one year. I said no. I think
0: that, I think that they will draft a quarterback. I, I believe that. I think they want Joe, I think Joe Brady in that offense, he wants somebody that is a little bit more mobile. And, and maybe, and maybe that, maybe that doesn't have as much mileage on him. I think it's a young team that wants young players. And they wanted to the bubble the quarterback that they draft may not start. Like they might go after like a Trey Lance. Like I really do think that that is a possibility for them. Um, Mitch
1: Trubisky.
2: Yes, I think he's, I think they. I think I think they've committed with him.
1: If they haven't moved on from him yet, they, I have no reason to think they're going to move on from him in this offseason. Absolutely, absolutely. And he, they he, are, and he showed flashes at the end of the year.
0: They are he in- was the
1: MVP. The Nick, Nickelodeon Valuable Player or whatever it was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you win the NVP Nickelodeon Valuable Player, how can we not get you? I mean, Slime Time Trubisky is what we should call him from now on.
2: Okay. I agree. I love
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Jameis Winston.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, think, I think he's I, the Saints option, at least for next year.
0: Nope. He's not going back because you want to know why? They've got $10 million committed to Taysom Hill, and they are $112 million in the hole in the cap space. They are going to find a cheaper option. They're not going to re-sign him. He's a free agent. I mean, there's no way that they're going to re-sign him. They don't have the money to do it. I just can't imagine. With with the amount of quarterbacks on the market and him being at least a hot commodity, I can't imagine that the Saints are going to be able to re-sign him.
2: James Winston's going to the Lions. Now that you say that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I love <laughs> it.
0: The most sense I've ever heard. Send him to a garbage organization where he'll throw thirty touchdowns and thirty picks. I mean, and they'll probably
1: terrible. overpay for him too. They
0: will absolutely. Uh, I think this one's pretty easy. Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's gonna go to Denver. I could
2: so see him in Denver for some reason. Is it crazy of me to say – I guess it doesn't make sense with Shanahan now. I don't know. I see him in San Francisco. I think if if Fitzpatrick's out there in San Francisco slinging the ball around. But, no, it doesn't make any sense for the fifth.
0: That would be wild. Absolutely wild. (laughs) I think if if he – I think that's a guy. Now, that's a guy that maybe the Saints actually do go after. Just as a backup to Taysom Hill. And and you know he's not going to be able to run that offense like obviously, but if they just need a replacement guy, one year, one million dollars. If he wants to come back, sure, why not?
2: Why doesn't he finish his trip around the uh, AFC East? Sure. One last team he's got to hit in that in that division there.
0: Stop talking. <laughs> that's, that's the end of that discussion. I've been muted. Uh, Alex Smith, I think we can all agree, is is, an, is an, no. Move yeah,
2: move on.
1: Move on from
0: that. Hopefully,
2: for his sake, he retires.
0: I, I hope so. Uh, And Ben Roethlisberger, does he come back to Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to finish out his career there. You know, I think he's going to give it one last ride. And if there's one team that is loyal to their people outside of, like, the Giants, it's the freaking Steelers.
2: They will be wheeling Ben out in a wheelchair uh, until he stops playing quarterback.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. I can't imagine him just hobbling his way to... The red zone offense.
2: Well, watch out, though. Dwayne Haskins waiting in the weeds.
0: Oh, look out. We got a guy with a peg leg and then the strippers coming out right after that. What a perfect place for Dwayne Haskins, right? The most loudmouth, talkative, stupid TikTok team, and they send in, they find Dwayne Haskins.
2: Perfect. Pittsburgh TikTokers.
0: Pittsburgh TikTok is electrifying.
1: Chuck Knoll is rolling over in his grave. Chuck <laughs> Knoll.
0: Bill Cowers scowling somewhere. Uh, Here's a funky question, and this one I'm very interested to know. If you are the Jaguars and the Bills come to you with Josh Allen on a silver platter for the number one pick, are you doing that deal? And and I think I I could phrase this maybe a better. Is Josh Allen as transcendent of a prospect, if you will, as Trevor Lawrence is at this point in his career?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I think mainly because, I, again, obviously love Josh Allen, but I think the fact, like, as you said, as far as, like, transcended, he's shocked the world, and I heard so many people say, like, you like we've never really seen anybody take a third-year jump the way that Josh Allen did with his accuracy and just kind of a lot of his overall play. Um, and so you have to wonder – if this is a repeatable thing versus again, Trevor Lawrence who we've been watching, I don't know, I guess since he was like in middle school for pop Warner and he's been like the the guy. So I think you have to go with that guy. You have to go with that guy. As good as Josh Allen's transformed himself into like, we've been waiting for Trevor Lawrence. Chris.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think if I was the Jaguars, I would need like a, a package of things to go along with Josh Allen for me to pull that trigger. You said you have that, you know, you have a chance to get a guy like this that you know we haven't seen a, a prospect like this probably since Andrew Luck, where it would just seem like it was like this guy's gonna, you know, oh I guess Joe Burrow too, but like this guy's gonna come in and make an, an immediate impact impact on your team and immediately make them better. And the Jaguars, I think they're a team that's just, they want to start fresh, you know, they want to start with their own quarterback that they're drafting. And if I was the Bills, I probably wouldn't do it either. Like, you know what you have in Josh Allen, you're going to work with it. So uh, I don't think either of the, either side of this would take this deal.
0: I don't think we talked about Joe Burrow the way we talk about Trevor Lawrence. No, we don't. I, 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 I did. I, I mean, I thought specifically Joe Burrow was the best prospect I had seen since Andrew Luck. I, I agree with that statement. I don't think that he was talked about in that light. I think that when you talk about guys like that, like when Peyton Manning was talked about, best prospect since John LA when Andrew Luck was talking about, best prospects since Peyton Manning. And it seems like the guys that are these best prospects since tend to work out. And to me, Trevor Lawrence seems as if Josh Allen is a little too high. I, before, like maybe before this, and maybe we're having a little bit of like recency bias with this because Josh Allen just played not a great game against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. But even so, I never really thought that Josh Allen had – the whole package that trevor lawrence has and i know that's super general but like i think there's something to be said about prospect white quarterback is is and and maybe this josh allen was not the right quarterback to put on this list so i'm going to ask this in a different way really quick
1: what about if it's deshaun watson i no, i would i don't wait for deshaun watson
2: no, I think you have to take. I think you have to take the rookie. Just you know, just always just getting. You just want to be younger. You just want to have more years.
1: Getting a lot of years
0: out of Deshaun Watson though. Still, I mean, and it's a surefire thing. You know, it's surefire. I mean, yes, you're going to have to build that organization, and it's and the only thing I would say is that it's going to cost you money. But you know, at this point, got seventy five million dollars cap space. Like you have the most cap space of anybody. Like, why not pull the trigger on something like that? It's a little more surefire, I guess. It's, it's hard. I mean, at, at what point, like, is it Patrick Mahomes? Like, is that the only guy that you would do it for? Like, I mean, where do you draw the line?
1: For, I think for with, with Deshaun Watson still being, I mean, he's right in the prime of his career. Like, you're getting him right when he's kind of reaching his, this max performance. And we've seen him being, you know, be successful. You know, for several years now, whereas Josh Allen, you know, this is the first year we've really seen it out of him. So if I'm the Jags in that spot, I- I'm doing it, you know, just because, again, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, for all we know, he could he could be one of the biggest busts of all time. We don't know that. The draft is a crapshoot. I'm just not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's it's not incapable of happening. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Deshaun Watson, you know. Like, you know exactly what you are getting, and it is a very, very good quarterback that can be mobile but can also throw the ball. And then you, just, you, know, you focus on getting him a receiver or two, and you build up that team a little bit more, and you've got that quarterback in place knowing that it's a successful quarterback. Whereas, again, God forbid you take Trevor Lawrence there when you had the chance to get Watson, and he does turn out to be a bust because, again, he hasn't played in the NFL. We don't know what we're going to get. He still hasn't played in the NFL, and it's a lot harder to play in the NFL than it is to play in college. I don't you care who we
0: are. You have to make a decision, though.
2: Yeah. Give Give me what the Rams uh, got for RG three. That is the kind of return I want. Like first round picks for the next seven years. That's how you build a franchise.
0: There you go. I love it. I love it. Um, here's a fun one. Rank the four coaches from championship weekend. You obviously have Matt Lafleur. You have uh, Sean McDermott. You have Bruce Arians. You have Andy Reid. Rank the four coaches. Let's go one through four, I guess, if you want to do it that
1: way. Uh Chris Roswell. So we're getting get our number one first? Yeah. Number one, Andy Reid. I think I think that's that's an that's an obvious choice for me. Um he's the one that started to build this franchise into what it is today, and then you Matt Pat Mahomes is really a cherry on top that made it all that is the keys to the engine, essentially. Uh Sean McDermott number two. Uh, Matt LaFleur, number three, especially downgraded because of his decisions in that game. And I think Bruce Arians is number four. Nothing against Bruce Arians, but I don't think he's the reason they are where they are. And he's even said himself that he will just sit back and let Tom Brady coach the team, essentially. So I think Tom Brady's more of a coach for the Buccaneers than Bruce Arians is anyway. So I don't see Bruce Arians really doing anything special for that team. Um, But Andy Reid's phenomenal, and Sean McDermott, I think, is a huge reason as to why the Bills were where they are and why their future is so bright.
0: Matt Silberth.
2: Yeah, basically right there with you, Chris. Obviously, Andy Reed, clearly number one. Uh, McDermott, number two for me. Um, and then I, I put I put Arians over LaFleur just because they at least won the game and Matt LaFleur coached him to a loss. So Matt LaFleur, at number four. As far as if we're just going off of this weekend's performance, then yeah.
0: Reed, McDermott, Arians, LaFleur, because I don't think I don't think LaFleur right now. I mean, yes, he has gotten – he has done a good job of getting them to where they are. But, again, LaFleur is not the leader of the team. Like, he's not. And maybe Arians isn't either. But at least Bruce Arians has gone other places and done other things, not with Tom Brady. That And, and, and think about it this way, too. I mean, the Bucs were not a bad team last year. Were they great offensively? No, because of their quarterback situation. They brought in a quarterback and they did that. Are we going to blame Bruce Arians for having Tom Brady? Like, Bruce Arians has been successful in Indianapolis. He's been successful in Pittsburgh. He was successful in Arizona. Like, he's been successful everywhere he's gone. And Matt LaFleur is a second-year head coach that is an X's and O's guy. I mean, it's more about that. It's more about leadership. There's something to be said about a 60-year-old grandfather in one of those Kangol hats. There's something to be said about it. You know, like, that goes places with, with, with players, I think.
2: Uh, I know he's probably a good, he's a good time after the game with the players too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you go. He can have a beer with that guy. Matt LaFleur, I just feel like is always watching film. Yeah. Um, which first place team from this season, division winner, will miss the playoffs next season? Asterisk, do not use the Washington football team. That is not fair. So let's do it. Division winner that won't make the playoffs next year is Matt.
2: Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they might have caught maybe a little bit of lightning in the bottle this year with their defense and stuff. And uh, I think Big Ben might, you know, as much as I say he's coming back, I think his performance is going to start to dip. And they've, they've, they've had some other just issues along with that team and stuff. So uh, I, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially with the, the, the way the division's looking up.
1: Love it, Chris. I mean, it's obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Clearly. <laughs> we can only um, hope. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? No, uh, Matt, I agree with you. I think it's the Steelers. And a lot of it for me is especially the teams behind them. You know, the Browns, if anything, are on the up and up, it seems. You know, they're just going to get better from where they are right now. And they were right, they were right there with them at the end of the season with the division. And the Ravens aren't a team that's really going anywhere either. Whereas the Steelers just look like they're kind of they're starting to hit really hit that decline. And I think the real Steelers team is the team we saw the last five weeks of the year and not the first 11. Um I think they're going to have a downgrade. Another team I thought about was also the Saints. Just, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Drew Brees. And if you have Taysom Hill over as starting quarterback, who knows what you're going to get there. But that division isn't quite as strong necessarily as you are with the Browns and the Ravens, um, both playoff teams as well uh, in that AFC North.
0: Saints. Saints are $112 million in cap, and they have a gazillion guys that are making a ton of money, and they're going to have to cut them. I mean, Drew Brees is going to be a lot off the cap. But I, I probably see Emmanuel Sanders as a cap casualty. I probably see Cameron Jordan making $17.5 million. That could be a very big cap casualty. They're going to lose a lot in the secondary with P.J. Williams um, in, as a safety position. They have a ton of guys that have to get paid next year. It's going to be really hard for the Saints to have the same roster as they have this year. And their offense is going to change. I mean, they're going to have Kamara. They're going to have Thomas. and They're going to have those guys. But... Their offense is going to change dramatically with Taysom Hill there. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints next year, and I know he was great this year, there's going to be a dramatic shift, and it's going to be very difficult, and they're not going to have the same defense. It's going to be hard for them to stop teams. So I went with the Saints, and then maybe a little asterisk too on this, Seattle, because that division is still really good, and Pete Carroll's going to be on the hot seat if they don't fix that defense. There's got to be, there's got to be fixers on the defense, and they got to get Russell some type of consistency. I don't know really what's wrong with Seattle. They have weapons. They're just not on the same page. Like, I think there's a problem. And I think they need to hear a new voice. And I think of next year, they're definitely a team up there that could be on the list. Um, Last one. Since we're kind of going through a lot of these older quarterbacks, and some are retiring, and some are legacies are coming into question. I thought it would be fun. Instead of doing the top five quarterbacks in the league right now, just give me the top five quarterbacks, greatest quarterbacks, rank the top five greatest quarterbacks of all time, Chris Raza.
1: I have a feeling our number one and our number two, maybe for our number three are all going to be very similar. Uh, number one, of course, is Dan's favorite person in the whole world, Tom Brady. Number two is Joe Montana, the, the model for Tom Brady, uh, who Tom Brady then leapfrogged. Number three, Peyton Manning. Uh, doesn't have the Super Bowl rings, but was the one of the most unbelievably dominant quarterbacks on the field. Number four, a little bit of a throwback. We're going with Johnny Unitas, who I think really <laughs> created. I mean, was the model for all of these guys. Uh, you know, going forward. And number five is Drew Brees. Wow. Okay. I love. I love having Johnny U in there. He's, I think to me, so I don't think you have these other guys without Johnny Unitas. That's my reasoning.
0: The legacy of Johnny U. It's like putting slinging Sammy Ball on there.
1: It's like, let's just put you all know of them. I had to, to have some cool old guys. Yeah, <laughs> all of like, them. I mean, it. hey, you're lucky I didn't put the snake in there for the hell of it. The Chris. snake. Chris. Chris, First Kenny Stable.
2: Chris has the 65-year-old newspaper writers uh, list with Johnny Unitas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, no Bart. No, yeah, I, I was I waiting for Johnny. Bart Starr. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you said, uh, Brady one, Montana two, Manning three. Should have had more rings if he wasn't getting beaten up by freaking Tom Brady his whole career. Um, four for me. I have uh, the gunslinger Brett Favre, my personal favorite. Yeah, I guess what. Yeah, he's got the all-time interception record that will probably never be broken. But man, when you needed, uh, you needed on to the end of that game. He was he he was a guy that could get you there. And then yeah, I, I, obviously, I think we're doing this. We got to throw Drew Brees on the list now. And now he's retired, and obviously just an all-time passer, just an insane completion percentage for his career.
0: Uh, My list is very different than your list. I knew
2: knew that was going to happen.
0: It's it's very different, uh, obviously, outside of number one. Um, Number one is clearly Tom Brady. The numbers speak for themselves. Nobody's touching that. It's unbelievable. Uh, Number two, I went Peyton Manning. I thought Peyton Manning, uh, retired all-time touchdown passer, all-time passing yards leader, two Super Bowls. Four, or is it five MVPs or four MVPs? I can't remember. It's either four or five. Nobody has more NFL MVPs than him. Greatest regular season quarterback of all time and a 3 and one record in the AFC Championship game against Tom Brady, by the way. Um, Number three to me is the most talented quarterback that's ever played, Aaron Rodgers. Like, to me, Aaron Rodgers is in this list without question because he is the most talented guy that's ever played the game uh, in my estimation. And uh, he's going to win his third MVP. Yes, the one Super Bowl, but he should be right up there with all these guys by the time his career is done uh, in terms of passing yards and passing touchdowns and and, uh, the all-time passer rating king as well. Number four is Joe Montana. You can't leave him out. Four Super Bowl rings. Speaks for himself. Two-time NFL MVP. Um, Incredible. And it was very difficult for me with his number five, but – Gosh, I hate it, but I gotta put Brett Favre ahead of Drew Brees. I just, I have to, and I, and I hate doing that because I think Brees deserves it. But, but Favre, three-time NFL MVP, Drew Brees was a first-team All-Pro just one time in his career, never won an MVP. They both have the same amount of titles. Yes, Drew Brees ha- is going to retire second all-time passing yards or first all-time passing yards and second all-time touchdowns. But Brett Favre did it just as long as Drew Brees did it as well. And I just think that Favre just leaves a legacy as he is the quarterback of the '90s. I mean, he really is. And it's difficult. It's difficult for me to put Breeze in that category because Breeze Breeze played with so many guys that were so good. Like the 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 generation of quarterbacks that we have right now are the best generation of quarterbacks we've ever had, in my opinion. Which is what makes Brady's accomplishments so crazy. But Favre, just man, yes, he has the interceptions, but I had to put him because. Those three NFL MVPs, not a lot of guys can say that either, in one season. So I, I would have Favre just a tick ahead of Brady. Very difficult, very difficult for me.
1: Well, I think and what's I think impressive, like you said, with these modern day—I mean, what, all of us have three or four of these top five guys have are playing or have played in the last you know, four or five years and, and played for the majority of the 2000s and 2010s. We, as frustrating as it was as a non-Patriots fan to watch Tom Brady. You know, as a Raiders fan watching Peyton Manning in Denver and even with the Colts and all that when when we're forty, fifty years old and telling our kids about who we saw play football, and we're going to tell you know four of the five whatever top five quarterbacks of all time were playing when we were watching the NFL I mean that's one heck of a that's, that that just goes to show one how the game has evolved, and two I mean the sheer amount of quarterback talent that we've seen in the last 20 years.
2: And our kids will be calling us stupid because no, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's yeah. Trevor Lawrence. its it. you know, but <laughs> so, he, but yeah.
1: even then, you know, we he's just he, you could even almost, you know, your Patrick Mahomes in that in that conversation as as you know, we're the, we're already saying he could be better than Brady, and we're what three, four years
2: into his career. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was going to make Danza top list. Maybe he's
0: he will be on that list in ten years. I promise you. Like it's.
2: It's Lou, mark scary. that down for the podcast in 10 years. Mark that down yes. for on the counter.
0: <laughs> Time stamp it. Make sure it's good there. I mean, it's, it's so hard to go against these guys, and, and obviously everybody I think would have Mahomes at the top of their list in terms of, like, best quarterback right now. Um, I would have been interested in that. But, like, to me, I look at this list and I say, man, all we have three of the top four quarterbacks, at least I do, and, and then Breeze all played when Tom Brady was playing. And Tom Brady's numbers are what they are. And it's like, it to me, and we'll probably talk about legacy stuff next time, but, man, like, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting when you look at the numbers. 10 Super Bowls, 14 conference titles, 34 playoff wins, um, three Super Bowls past the age of 40. I mean, that's insane. No quarterback has ever done that. No quarterback above the age of 40 has thrown more than eight touchdowns in a in a season Tom Brady has 47 this year like that's insane
2: I know why this was the last question Dan just had to just just go on uh, an epilogue for a little bit
0: <laughs>
2: I needed to just express that
0: because I don't think we understand I don't think we're, and I don't I don't I don't want to put this on because I know people are going to listen to this be like here goes Dan epilogging like you said soliloquy Tom Brady but it is true like it's like, I I hate to say it, but like and and nail it home, but like it's it's absurd thinking about. It. Yes, I know, I know, I know. we are against the clock. All right, all right, that's the end of the questions. Great job, guys. Great job. I enjoyed. We passed the, pass the class. We passed the class. Fine colors, Matt. Matt, I'll give you. I'll give you a C plus. You passed.
2: Oh no, yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's fair for my record this year. That's better than a, it wasn't a C plus. <laughs>
0: I get, hey, listen, that is true. That is true. We got to give uh, – we'll give you a C-plus for this. Chris Raza, very nice little B-minus. Lou Pericone gets the A-plus. Lou Perricone gets the A-plus for producing. Never even had to say a word on this show.
2: It's incredible. What, what's the matter? Nobody likes Joe Namath? And nobody <laughs> likes no Joe Namath? No Vinny Testaverde? All right.
0: Chad Pennington. He's on oh, my list. He's on my list next to Ken O'Brien.
2: <laughs> Honorable mentions.
0: Him and Boomer and <laughs> Tyson. Guys, I can't wait for next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Like it's gonna be great. Bucks and Chiefs. This might be the best quarterback matchup in the history of Super Bowls. Honestly. I went through it today. I'm thinking about it. I go Breeze versus Manning, Marino versus Montana, Brady versus Mahomes.
1: Especially when we if we get, you know, five, six, seven years down the line and Mahomes keeps going on this path, we're gonna look back to the Super Bowl as something
2: special. Can't wait. I hope it's an instant class.
0: And, I, and I'm sure it will be. Uh, that's going to do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen to us every Saturday at 11 at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. on SportsCountry.net, SportsCountry Radio. And if you miss all three of those shows, listen to us at 11 a.m. on Sunday. And you can hear us then. You can hear us on Spotify, the Apple Podcast, the Google Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Sunday Card, And be sure to check in all with us because we'll have prop bets next week. We'll have Gatorade Bath. Whose wardrobe malfunctions in the in the in the halftime show, we'll have it all. We'll have it all. It's gonna be a really, really good time. So for our producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, behind the producer Mike, and for Matty Ice, Maddie C Matt Silberth, and our beloved Christopher Raza, I am Dan Zimpano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday call.